had a big week between having Death new and people life. and burying old people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we had a, a whole circle of life this week, I guess. Well, he didn't get buried. He got cremated. But still, well, we, we, we have experienced the entire gamut yep. of uh, of those things. Yeah. And then uh, I did. Uh, oh, we talked about my blood work. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah, tell so, me about that. This is my, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but I have moved from handling my own PEDs to having that completely oversaw, overseen by a doctor. Um, And uh, I actually told you mine was a little bit lower than it was, but it was only by, it was by very, very little. So it Mm -hmm. wasn't much of an exaggeration, but in March, or actually beginning of April, um, about one month out from my meet, I had done... Uh, I had done 500 tests and 500 tests and between 150 and 300 trend, I upped the trend like four weeks out from the meet. Mm -hmm. So about 800 milligrams of drugs, um, leading into that uh, exactly almost to the day, a month out, I went and got my blood work done. Granted, this was coming off of both the IT band injury and a back injury. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was, you know, I did have a lot of drugs in me, both painkillers and, um, and uh, muscle relaxers mm-hmm. and stuff like that that would affect your kidney blood work. And mm-hmm. also it atrophies muscle too. Yeah. So those things do. So, <clears throat> but anyway, I think I went from, uh, went from about 270 pounds uh, to 283, which is kind of the opposite of what I want to do because I am actually trying to lose weight. But in that, um, in that weight gain, I lost 3% body fat and Almost 11 of the 13 pounds was muscle gain. Yeah. So I actually benefited quite a lot um, from that. Put a lot of muscle in my upper body and in my torso. Uh, a little disappointed about how little muscle I put in my legs, but mostly that's because couldn't squat heavy. Injury-related injury, stuff. It's all injury-related stuff. But I did manage to put some mass in my legs. Um, all that stuff is really, really good. And that is to say that was on a lower dose. Yeah, that, we're definitely going to get to that here in just a just a second. But that's uh, and then three months time, uh, that's I put on basically that eleven pounds of muscle, mm-hmm. um, and only thirteen total pounds. So yeah. that was an incredibly large amount of muscle for mm-hmm. the weight that I gained. Yeah. Um, if you, I think most people could do about half that. That'd be yeah. happy, that'd be happy. I think most of the time. But um, but anyway, it was an incredibly big benefit to me. And then, like I said, this is in three months time. My natural test went from one fifty six. Um, to fourteen fifty six. Mm-hmm. That was free test. Yeah. So my my testosterone went up thirteen hundred points mm-hmm. or thirteen hundred units per deciliter, deciliter of blood. I think. It's I think. Yep. So <clears throat> an incredible improvement. My progesterone is up uh, in a healthy area again. DHEA, vitamin D, um, all that stuff. And what the incredible thing is about it, the only thing I took was two hundred milligrams a week of test and. 100 milligrams a knot of progesterone. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so, TRT doses. Maybe a little more. Yeah, but. a little more than most people, but mine was detrimentally low. Right. So most of the time people get 100 milligrams a week or yeah. 200 biweekly. Yeah. So, but that's still roughly a quarter mm-hmm. of the performance enhancing dose I was taking. Yeah. And I've put more muscle on and actually performed better. Mm-hmm. And I do feel really, really good. Yeah. Um, also, red blood cell count has improved. White blood cell count uh, stayed about the same. That shouldn't really move a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Hemoglobin's down. Uh, insulin re- resistance is uh, 
much much lower mm-hmm. so uh that's good so that's a, and that's a very surprising metric having gained 13 pounds right. the fact my insulin dropped basically basically cut my insulin in half went from being pre-diabetic to you know, mm-hmm. almost, almost, an, I'm like a point and a half away from being like an athletic insulin range. So, mm-hmm. um, so that was fucking huge. Um, trying to think about all my kidney and liver markers are actually in a safe zone now. And they were all borderline. Like the doctor, when Dr. Campbell first met me, he was like, if you don't change this, this and this, you're going to, you know, you're going to be on dialysis by the time you're 40. Right. Um, because there were some crazy kidney numbers, but now, you know, talking him through, talking with him about what was happening with me and the amount of medication I was on because of that back injury. Um, it was probably an acute spike. Mm-hmm. So it probably wasn't as deadly as, as it looked as like it on looked. paper. Yeah, yeah. On paper. But, um, but nevertheless, all that stuff's back into everything except for creatinine is back into a normal, normal range, which apparently that's going to be high with lots of protein and meat consumption. Mm-hmm. But, um, the only thing I can't do is I, he really doesn't want me supplementing creatine because okay. that, Creatinine is so high currently. But, gotcha. Uh, HGH is still really high. It did come down some, which was kind of funny to me. It was kind of odd. Um, but but, uh, but yeah, everything's back into more than healthy range. So healthy range is, uh, they say that, you know, they kind of brag about people being able to, they've been able to take people in a healthy way to about 2,000 mm-hmm. on their tests. Um, but they did say anything about 1,100, you could start experiencing side effects. So I'm at, Basically, fifteen hundred with no, no visible side no, effects. No visible side effects. Don't feel bad. Feel great. Um, pretty fucking awesome. And I'll just say this too: the progesterone getting tanked on my blood work was because of antidepressants, was because of SSRIs, mm-hmm. um, and because of trend. Nineteen yeah. Nords will do that too. So the combination of those things like tanked my natural progesterone levels. And uh, I didn't know this because it's a female sex hormone; it's not a male sex hormone. But men have to have it to produce their own test. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also directly related to sex drive and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, that's not, I think the meathead <laughs> juice crew never, you'll never hear a meathead in the gym talk about whether or not your progest- uh, progesterone levels are healthy or not. Right. You hear them talk about some, the smarter ones will talk about, you know, estrogen needs to stay mm-hmm. under a certain number, but you never hear them say, right. You know, get your progesterone checked. <laughs> but that's actually a huge fucking thing, especially if you've used a lot of 19 doors like me and you have. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I've already <clears> decided, like, after this meet coming up, I'll probably move over there, too. Probably be, it'll probably be, like, the beginning of next year or something I think like the that. killer thing about it is uh, it's, right. well, right now I've met my deductible and stuff, so it's really cheap, but mm. it's still cheaper than street prices. Yeah. Um. So that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um. But outside of that, you know, they put me on uh, gonadotropin, which is a type of HCG, um, mm-hmm. vitamin B12, D3. Told you all we were on the DHEA. Um, I take a lot of pills, but man, talk about, I mean, it's completely changed yeah. everything. Hey, I mean, would you rather be on a bunch of pills or be on a bunch of injectables? I'd rather be on a bunch of pills all day, personally. But Yeah, injecting starts, it kind of kind of sucks. I can't lie to you, but. Um, today is actually an injection day. I'm glad that we're talking about this because I would have forgotten otherwise. <laughs> but um, the one time a week is pretty tolerable. Yeah. When I go, it's gonna be a drag when I go back to a performance enhancing dose. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, whatever a week, you know, two, two or three, probably, but, probably at least two. If yeah. Not three. I honestly think I would. I think performance wise, I'm gonna do fine on two now. Yeah, that's fair. 
I, I, I think 400 milligrams a week is going to be my, my, my blast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, like, I, I don't, I never had any interest in, in going super high after this past time. Cause I just didn't feel like it was doing enough and talking to, or really listening to other people talk about, you know, what they use and how they use it. Talking to Joe here lately about it. We actually, not too long ago, might've been like a couple of days ago, had a conversation. Um, I posted that picture of my back. And we were, we were we just kind of started talking about bodybuilding a little bit, and I was like, "Well, I mean, do you even think it's possible to like compete in a like actually compete in a bodybuilding show at, as an enhanced lifter uh, without taking a bunch of stuff?" And he's like, "All of my clients do that." And I was like, "He's only got two or three bodybuilding clients, but one of them is Kenny, uh, who we talked about before we started recording. If you don't know who Kenny Williams is, he works at Super Training with Mark Bell. And he does um, a minimal amount. Minimal amount." So I don't I don't know what that means for him because uh, I don't I didn't ask. I'm Honestly, not in the bodybuilding community, I'm just going to assume it's less than a gram a week. So I know what Joe told me was that for him personally, it was like a max at like 1.2 grams. Like that was his across main, all compounds. That was his maximal. Now I don't know him. I don't know what that means as far as what he does on a regular basis. What he does, I, I'm assuming that's. Probably get cycled in and out. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's in prep, getting ready for whatever competition. I know he's working on the American Pro Two right now, um, which is in October. Uh, It might be the same weekend as my meet, which is actually really funny. But yours in October? Yeah, the last uh, last Saturday of October. I thought yours was November for some reason. I've got well, you're Joe's now, but. I have a lot of meets right there around when my baby's going to be yeah. due, and I don't know <laughs> how many of them I'm going to be streaming and how many of them I'm going to be in in, you person. Know, in person. Yeah, and I have a, a big drug tested meet in November, mm-hmm. then the Maverick in December. Yeah, so, it's a lot. Yeah, all, I have like around. I have like, and then Dave in September. Yeah, now he's competing again. I just wrote for him, which we'll get to that eight week. <laughs> you know, actually, I guess it'll be nine or ten weeks post New Orleans, but yeah. He has some untested records that got beat that he wants to go take back. So fair is fair, I guess. I can't say I wouldn't feel the same way if I go and break break these records and then someone comes in and smashes them. I'm like, well, man, I think he uh, broken is broken, right? But Mm -hmm. I don't think they were quite smashed. He's definitely confident he can go. Yeah, well, I go get them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah. But either, either, right. either, either getting way. Beats, getting beat. Right? Getting beat, yeah. getting beat. Getting beat by a pound or 100 pounds is still getting beat. And almost probably has more peace of mind as a power lifter if you get beat by 100 pounds as opposed to like five. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. Do I really have to go to a meet like this soon just because this guy <laughs> right, broke yeah. my record by five pounds? It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, there's probably more peace of mind than just getting your ass drugged, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather be like, all right, now I got to train for like a year and a half, two years just to get close to this guy. And hopefully he's not going to get better. <laughs> and hopefully I'm going to be injury free. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Yeah. But I feel like longer off season you take, the more likely you are to be injury free. So, so um, this is a touch and go week for you in the gym. So what did you do in the gym this week? So it was, uh, I went in on Monday and just kind of was like, I'm just going to do the best that I can do. I didn't have to work, so it wasn't a big deal. I got everything done. And then I was like, well, uh, it was Monday. What did you do on Monday? Um, was it your squat? It was squat and bench. I, I'm going to have to pull it up to really get give some specifics because i actually don't remember well, you've had that kind of week it's been a cluster of a week so bear with me guys i gotta gotta pull all this up 
Alright, uh, it was uh, squat, so I had uh, five sets of one for explosiveness um, at 50%, which was 280, 275, it's 275. Um, and then he had me three sets of three at 415, which weren't terrible. Um, I, I feel like they, they were... They were manageable. The rest time was kind of what got me, which it was a longer rest time. It was three minutes, but um, I'm not used to getting in it quite that quick. And especially being up in weight, which 415 is is still like like 80%, something like that. So it's not like it should be that heavy, but just getting readjusted is kind of a challenge. But And then it was just a bunch of accessory work, a bunch of, bunch of this uh, bullshit that he likes to do giving me 30 seconds on and then five to 10 reps after 30 seconds of constant work, which will fucking destroy you no matter what movement you're doing, no matter <laughs> how heavy it is. If you're putting effort into those 30 seconds, that those last reps are going to be brutal. Sure. And it's happened every time. So I did that and then I uh, got to the hospital at six and uh, stayed there for a couple of days, had a baby it was pretty exciting. Um, it was fairly traumatic, and I'm not going to go into any details on the podcast. But it was it was all good after everything was said and done. So good. Um, trouble sleeping, <laughs> Most, mostly because it was a hospital bed. The baby slept fine, um, at least at the hospital she slept fine, and mostly because we were just like there the whole time. Sure. We went back to the gym on Thursday. I think it was just like a just like a regular like pump day. Yeah, it was just like a bunch of back and shoulders, which were fine. Um, I did feel like I was dead and everything hurt because I had no sleep and my nutrition was garbage. Not just just to touch on that a little bit. If your sleep and nutrition are garbage, you're gonna feel like garbage. And even in just a matter of two days, yeah, absolutely. Like you will notice a huge difference. Um and then <clears throat> Uh, Friday with some deadlifts, they kind of felt like shit, but there's also something weird going on with my glutes and we're still trying to figure that out. He had me doing some, some weird supersets with like some explosive deadlifts and jumps, box jumps. So trying to get some more glute engagement, more explosiveness out of the hole, basically. Uh, and then I was like, I was doing the hip abduction. And I noticed my right glute was straining really hard. My left was not like, it would be like hurting. And I was like, what going on with there? So I like put my thumbs on my butt cheeks and I noticed that my right was sticking out super far and my left was not engaged at all. So, and I was, I was thinking about it. My during deadlifts, my lower back on my left side had been kind of bothering me. And I was like, my left glute for whatever reason is not engaging. So I focused more on pushing with my left uh, hip out and less on my right and i notice a more even uh production of force so hopefully we're gonna fix that here shortly and i won't have any more issues but i just keep finding more and more, more, more i work with joe the more i find issues with everything wrong with my body yeah that's fair which is a good thing because we're fixing them right um and then uh the last day was just uh it was just kind of like a it was a pump day it was like legs and chest and arms pretty much it 
it was it was a good day though i had a really really solid leg pump again with the 30 seconds on with the leg press and then 10 reps after that man i wanted to kill myself <laughs> I, w- I was literally like after each set I would I would rack the leg press and I just lay there and I just like audibly like sighing and just like <laughs> crying on the inside because it hurt so bad. But hopefully that's gonna result in a lot of power off the the floor from uh, squats and yeah. We'll see. Sounds good, man. Squats squats are my enemy. Yeah, same. Public enemy number one. Squats. I understand. Yeah, so I'm um, wrapping up um, my RP block. Of course, I've been without the, I think I told you I've been without that for a little while, mm-hmm. but I just continued it on my own. Yeah. Um, I've been on a six-day split, so chest, back, and arms, uh, shoulders and back, legs. Um, and then that repeats with a new group of exercises the next three days, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, first three days, I went pretty hard, worked up some decent singles on... Uh, on bench and on S, uh, no, I'm sorry, was it SSB? No, it was regular back squat. Um, and uh, pretty good shoulder day in the first half of the week. And then I uh, just started having some hip and, I wouldn't say necessarily pain, but some hip and shoulder discomfort toward mm-hmm. the end of the week. Um, so I opted to take a deload in the second yeah. half. Um, went pretty easy. I uh, didn't squat more than two plates, didn't press. Uh, well, I was on incline, so I didn't press more than two plates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shoulder shoulder day was really, really kind of pretty easy. Kind of neandered through it in a way. Right. Uh, got all the work done, but um, <clears throat> just didn't have a lot of didn't have a lot of energy the second half of yeah. the week. So, um, but spent all day today writing programs for clients. Um, tonight I have one more client program to write, and then I'm going to write a uh, still an off season, but I'm going to write my first powerlifting block back since. Uh, I left Ron. So yeah. that was in November. I started with Ron in November. Yeah, and I ran. You know, and he got me through March. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will be the first powerlifting program I've programmed for myself in a while. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been deadlifting. Well, part of that's just I want to get back to deadlifting. Yeah. Um, volume, how I approach volume, stuff like that, still pretty much going to be RP protocols. Yeah. With the exception, I'm just going to be barbell centric. Yeah. So that makes sense. It'll be more yeah. like a power building. Yeah, block absolutely. Than and we're still else. talking about. I don't know how I'm going to manage my deadlift volume yet. I'm thinking about using something that Ron does. And I don't know if you've said Joe uses this for you or not, but I'm thinking about doing like, it's a CrossFit format, but I'm thinking about doing like every minute on the minute at a pretty light weight and like Mm -hmm. two to five reps. Uh, So Um, yes and no, because he just changes his rest periods depending on the movement and the weight. Every minute on the minute ends up being roughly about 45 seconds rest. It ends up being pretty quick. He usually, Um, he usually on his quick ones, he'll give me like 60 seconds. I do have one exercise that has 10 seconds rest, which is a little weird, but it's, it's manageable because just because of the way that it's, it's just a a dumbbell fly. So I just go pretty light, but it's only 10 seconds rest, but everything else is usually 60 seconds. 90 seconds, two minutes, three minutes. Those are usually how he breaks his rest periods now. So. Um, mainly, I'm still, I'm still trying to rebuild a squat, so I think I'm going to be, um, I'm going to use my, ho- my paused high bar squat PR as, mm-hmm. uh, as my actual training one rep max yeah. for, one, for low bar so I can get some volume in at heavy enough weight that there's stimulus but not so heavy that I'm, Revisiting injuries yeah. or anything like that. So, 
Uh, that's a pretty big, I mean, that's a hundred pound difference. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, in my low bar PR and my Paul's high bar PR. <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty huge difference. Um, but I am going to do that. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've chunked around the idea of kind of restarting bench again, but it's going so well that I feel like I'd be taking weight off my total if I started over. Yeah on bench again or used a false number. So I think I'm just going to stay aggressive and, and bench. And if I yeah. just end up with a 400 pound bench press and a 400 pound squat, <laughs> it is what it, it, is, is, what what it is. is, you know, yeah. but uh, I mean, I've been touching 340 to 365 relatively easy on bench mm-hmm. press. So um, RPE seven to eight, depending on how I'm feeling. Yeah. So like uh, I don't feel terribly bad about staying right. in the bench press because I'm, I'm injury free for the most yeah. part of bench press right now so that's that's pretty good and then deadlifts just trying to i'm just going to try to um just get back to having some type of work capacity on, yeah. on deadlift so uh, i haven't been doing it so just deadlifting is going to yield deadlifting gains at the moment yeah. <laughs> at the moment yeah, so sure. I, I don't really have to there's kind of it's kind of low pressure but you know we're talking about even on barbell movements eight to 15 reps a set um we're very, very far out from actually competing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, right. very, very, very far out. Still very much rehabbing that movement. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, it should be fun. Um, also whether or not I can actually stay on the program or rot myself is yeah. yet to be seen. I do really well when I'm being coached or I have a template or something like that, but you I, start get a little nitpicking. I, I get a little antsy and in my own head when I'm, when I'm running my own All program. Right. Well, I noticed <clears> this today, so I think I need to change this, this, and this to handle this. So. I will say my, um, my focus away from the barbell is still very much going to be unilateral movement. Mm-hmm. I think that's, what's going to ultimately fix my leg issues. More than so. likely. I, I think so. So, um, and even some upper body issues, I'll be honest with you. I have a, uh, massively strong chest and I still don't really have strong delts or, or a strong tricep. Yeah. So, uh, you're probably clearing a stack on tricep pushdowns and, you know, for 10 to 15 reps. Truthfully, like... Probably don't have to after a heavy press day, but... Cur- currently, I just don't have that sort of stuff in my program. That's <laughs> like right, it, yeah. Just the way Joe programs, it's not like I'll do a heavy set of this accessory work. A lot of my accessory work is really hypertrophy-based, so it's just like a bunch of reps in low rest time and set it at an RPE, whatever, Um and most of my, like I, I did four sets of 15 on the tricep machine, the, uh, the handle. I can't, I don't know what the difference is with the one you hold like this. Yeah. It's like, now. it's like a skull crusher machine, but yeah. you're set, you're set upright instead of laying prone. Yeah. yeah. So I did that with like 185 pounds for four yeah. sets of 15, but 90 seconds rest. So I can't really like. You're not exactly going to be able to just no. crush the weight on that. No, I can't just that. like I can't just like throw two th- two That's fair. whatever the full stack is over 200 pounds when I've only got 90 seconds. I don't I don't have a lot of patience for my accessory work, so I would gather I'm resting 45 seconds to a minute and a half <clears> tops anyway. Yeah, because by that time I'm already pretty smoked from everything else I've done, and it's it's about time for me to just want to get out. Right. Of it. I don't skip it ever, but right. like by that time my patience is. Yeah, you're just kind of ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready like, for it to be done. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, rebuilding the squat still number one, and I just don't think I'm going to abandon my bench press because that's something I could probably lean on in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so me writing my own program brings up the topic of the day. 
Um, I guess we need to we need to talk about drinks and PR songs. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about we, that. We kind of had a really awesome segue, but we missed a couple things. So <laughs> it is what it is. Drinks are pretty easy though. Drinks we just did. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah it's the Shanky's old fashioned Shanky's Whip old fashioned again. Uh, we got the Woodford cherries. They're delicious. It's um, the same three ounces of liquor, one ounce of simple syrup, uh, chocolate bitters to taste. Put some cherry um, juice in there too. Yeah, I did. What I did this time is I basically did a half ounce of cherry juice and a half ounce of simple syrup mm-hmm. because they're both plenty sweetened. of sugar. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So uh, the the difference is the cherry juice does have a little bit of bourbon in it because it's yeah. the Woodford cherry, so it's probably a little more alcoholic than usual. Um, but it honestly doesn't taste like it. No, it's really easy to drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super smooth, super fucking good. And then PR songs. Um, this is not a very well thought out one on my on my behalf today, to be honest with you. Uh, same because I don't have anything that I had written down, even though I listened to several songs on Spotify and I was like, that should go on the list. So what I'm going to have to actually, you know what? <clears throat> I'm just going to, I'm just going to plug real quick. Um, so I'm, you, I, we're, we're friends with Clay and Wes. Yeah. Wes is my cousin, but Misery Chastain's EP is out on Spotify. Yeah. Some, you know. <laughs> 14 years after it actually happened. <laughs> yeah. 15, 14, 15 years. Band no longer exists. Um, they are no longer active. But man, I was listening to it in the gym and I was like, this still holds up. Like, yeah, I mean, they were. If the if the quality, like the sound quality was better, man, I could just. I, I, I did literally sit there and listen to it from beginning to end. Just like, this is still good. Like, yeah. I still, like, I can still get into this. Right. And I can listen to it in the gym too. So Boy, it's like. That- that that drum recording, all the all the hundred percent triggered drum is yep. like a little it's a little grating. Yeah. But outside of that, I remember when it came out, it was one of the best sounding records around here. Yeah. Like, you know, it was like locally record. recorded, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I mean, it's just it's just a little dull sounding now. It's not crisp. It's, you know, yeah. Definitely recorded on a budget, you know. Yeah. Honestly, and I even I even mentioned this to Clay, I was like, man. You could remaster this with stuff at your house and probably sound better. Like, I don't know why you guys don't just go ahead and There's do There's nothing in the mastering process that's going to fix that kick drum. <laughs> no, I mean, like, but, like just re-recording it. Yeah. Like, re-recording the whole thing yeah. at home. Because, because like, the, the quality of uh, stuff that you can do at home now is so high. You could just... Yeah, I mean, it's changed dramatically since 2009. Yeah. Like, dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all that software is native now, and you can do all that with a plug-in and never have to mm-hmm. load in an app. Yeah. An electric, you can do it with an electric kit, you know, mm-hmm. and it sounds more real than the trigger drums did back then. Yeah. So it's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, go go listen. Go give them a listen. It just got posted yesterday or the day before. So mm-hmm. go check them out. It's really good. The whole EP is good from start to finish if you like a more classic, like, death core, death metal sound. I don't know if they'd hate me for calling it deathcore, but it kind of is deathcore. Yeah, they probably would, but that's what it is. It's, it's like <sighs> it maybe even lean a little metalcore. Honestly, yeah, like now. it's it wasn't metalcore for that era, but it's what modern metalcore sounds like. Yeah, now. that that yeah. that'd be pretty accurate. But it's but it's heavy enough, so like yeah, it I, definitely I, I, isn't like all that remains or kill switch. It's no, it's it's not that. quite that light. It's it's I'm trying to think of a good band. To, it's. I would say it's like Whitechapel, but not quite as heavy. I'll tell you a good comparison for them really is Thou Art is Murder. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Probably. Well, definitely pretty deathy riffs. Mm-hmm. But they definitely got some um, more breakdowny 
hardcore yeah. vibes in it still. Yeah. yeah, but but mostly death metal, I would yeah. say. Mo- we'll, we'll just mostly. we'll just stick with the title mostly death metal. <laughs> it's like it's like dying metal. <laughs> it's not quite death yet. <laughs> good, good enough. Anyway, go check them out. It's really good. Um, like I said, sound quality might be kind of hard to get into at first, but once you once you get about a couple minutes in, it you kind of just get used. Yeah, to they it. were good musicians. That was a good band. It was definitely so. good. Seth Kimbrough's vocals were still good on it. Uh, held up really well. He's he's solid like i don't know if he's doing anything musically anymore but he was he was a cool dude and he was a talented musician everybody in the band was talented i mean i'm just being for sure yeah that was a good band it's just a shame that they they split up and they didn't win that i I was at their i think it was their last show and i may have talked about this before it was that battle of bands they did that was supposed to be for warp tour and uh was it warp tour or music as a weapon i think it was music as a weapon the only reason i say that is because I watched the band that beat them at Music as a Weapon. Maybe it was Music as a Weapon. I thought it was Warped But War, that but... year at Music as a Weapon was actually good. Obviously, we didn't watch Disturbed, but Killswitch was on that on that tour. And Chimera. And, uh, yeah, I think that was it then. Yeah, And uh, a couple others. Yeah, that was, that... A, it was at the Atlanta Tattoo and Arts Convention. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. But uh, the band that won was like dog shit. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite. We actually did watch them. We got way too drunk in the parking lot and missed all the good bands. <laughs> so they were just there. Switch, but they were just happened to be there while we were yeah. waiting for Kill Switch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just at the show, like most of the bands were just really loud, but Misery sounded really good. Like yeah. they just had a very clean sound the whole way through. You could like you could get into the music, whereas the band that won, it was just a lot of breakdowns and a lot of noise. And I was just kind of like not into it. I like some of that dissonant shit now, but I definitely, they definitely I mean, rugged me the wrong way when I, it would, when it I would be about them. No, it'd be fine if it was like listenable, but it just wasn't listenable. It was, it was literally too loud. They didn't mix it well. That was the problem. That's fair. Um, we're going to go an oldie but a goodie, and it's going to be the only one I do today, uh, especially since you, you put a whole EP, but I'm going to count it as one. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna do uh, "Domination" by Pantera from the Cowboys from Hell record. Yeah. So you can pretty much put anything aside from "Cemetery Gates" on there, and I'd I'd probably be good. I don't hate "Cemetery." I Gates. don't hate the song. It's just not a good PR song. Yeah, it's not. It's not a gym song. No, yeah. not at all. I will listen to it on the road all day. I will not listen to it in the gym. Yeah, it's not a gym song. I agree with you. I listen to some relatively light things sometimes yeah. on, the, on the playlist. But, oh, me too. Like, but. Uh, that's not it, though. I, I, I will put myself under the bus here. Uh, there is a Devil Wears Prada song that is on my gym playlist. Oh, man, Christian Metalcore. <laughs> Are um, they still Christian Metal? I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. They were at one point. Yeah. So. But what song? I have to ask. Uh, it's a new song. It's called Time. It's very, very... I want to say it's very bad, <laughs> but I like it. That's fair. It's like uh, some of their newer stuff does kind of remind me of old Bring Me the Horizon when Bring Me the Horizon was a little heavier and a little better. It's not heavy. It's not heavy. Oh, it is not heavy. No. This is not a heavy song. Uh, is it, keep in mind, the, the recent stuff for me for them is probably still a seven, eight year old record. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, they probably, I don't think they've done anything heavy in a while, if I'm being honest, because this new album, I literally hated it all except for this one song. And I kind of hate it because it's really cheesy. But I, I just, I listened to it. I'm like, just get into it. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I mean, no, we but. talked about that, like the new Bring Me the Rosals that way. We compared mm-hmm. them again, but. They had like very... that one song. Um, what was it called? 
You're talking about um, bring bring me the horizon. They had that one song off that new record. Kingslayer is my favorite one off that record, but and maybe um, it wasn't with, bring me the with horizon. baby metal. But they had uh, I know which one you're talking about because it's fucking awesome. It's uh, Parasite Eve, right? I think maybe so, maybe yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. I think we had a conversation about that because that was, was named after a video game. Right? Yeah, and you said it was Parasite Eve was a video. Yeah. game? Yeah, old PlayStation One, I think. Long time ago. Fair old old game. Um. Anyway, moving on into the actual topic, and Which, that is basically programming again, yeah, right? Pretty much. So we just talked about uh, a lot of signs about bad templates and stuff. So, you know, we were trying to talk about it. I was like, we, a good segue from last episode would be just talk about good programming. and like, Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think the most of the things that we were talking about being some of the better templates were either templates that were open-ended, like the RP template, mm-hmm. They're all reps and reserve based or they're AMRAP based, basically. Yeah. Um, which auto regulates you in and of itself. That mm-hmm. means, you know, if you if you choose to move up, if you can't overhead press, you know, 30s for a set of 10, and you finally get to where you can, and then you move up to 35s and you only get six, you're still operating within the parameters of auto regulation and right. that reps and reserve that they set you out. Yeah. Now, RP, RP doesn't want you to drop below five reps on anything. Okay. But, Still, you're still operating within the parameters of things. Mm-hmm. So there's some a, a faction of auto regulation that happens that makes those type of templates better than the others. Right. The AI is even further in that it's going to adjust to how you feel that day, mm-hmm. kind of adjust either the number total number of sets you do, the total the amount of weight you do, or the RPE you do it at. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're going to be adjusted for you. So that's the reason why I think we're pretty much in agreement. Those are better template options yeah. than just buying something just from buying Joe something. Schmo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess long and long and short of this is we're going to get into why custom programming and actually getting programmed from a coach, even if they're not actively coaching you, if all they do is program for mm-hmm. you, or if they're actually one-on-one with you and telling you how to squat, bench, and deadlift better, um, whatever that may be, the benefits of, or even maybe you're doing your own like mm-hmm. me and you have for years, the benefits and the things you need to know to look for, what makes a good program good. Right. If the, if it lacks these things, it might be less good. Right. Because um, if you're just like if you're doing your own programming and you're just kind of like, well, I know I'm. Let's say you're doing a powerlifting program. All right, I know I need a squat, bench, deadlift. I need to do some sort of back movement. I'm going to do pull downs and pull downs and pull downs. Yeah. Well, that's great, but what about your rows? Yeah. Like, you know, people are just kind of like throwing shit in there and not really thinking about getting. The entirety of the musculature, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I do stuff like that. I do very, very simply. If I have a vertical pull on one, uh, if I have a vertical pull for one back exercise, whether I do another back exercise later in the day or if it happens later in the week, it doesn't matter. Typically, it's going to be complemented by a horizontal pull. Mm-hmm. So if I've done a pull up, chances are the next major back movement you're going to do is going to look like a bent over row mm-hmm. or maybe a cable row. Mm-hmm. Pretty, you know, that's that's the easiest way to adjust. Yeah, you know, things like that. We also in powerlifting we do a lot of pushing. So um, you've heard me talk about before. I like a two to one pull to push ratio. Yeah, uh, for shoulder health reasons. So that includes shoulders. So do very little front delt work, but all the front delt work I do. If I've done a front delt, then I know I need to do some combination of two exercises: a rear delt, rhomboid, lat. Mm-hmm. Something to balance out those two pushes, or right. that one push, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, little things like that. Same thing with leg stuff. Uh, we don't do a lot of things 
we pretty much act in a single plane in powerlifting. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't do a lot of side to side stuff, but you know, if I've done X amount of quads, I know I need to X amount of hamstring work. Mm -hmm. If I do uh, X amount of bilateral movement, I need X amount of unilateral yeah. movement, right? Those are the things that coaches are going to understand. Furthermore, depending on your situation, I, for one, right now need more unilateral movement. So my mm -hmm. accessory work is going to be more unilateral movement, right? Which, just, just a side note, either you would know this because you are well-versed enough that you can identify this problem, or your coach should know this. That's yeah. one of the things of having a coach, is if you don't know these things, they can be like, well, I noticed that you have a weak left leg, so what we're going to do is do more unilateral work so that we can increase the strength in the left leg. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I mean signs on that yourself, if you don't want to have, if you can't afford to coach to tell you those things, are you just simply weaker on one side than the other? Yeah. When you do a single leg press, is your left weaker than your right? Are they, or are they less balanced? Do you yeah. shake a lot? Do you shift in your squat? Yeah. Do you shift in your bench press? Do you lock one hand out before you mm -hmm. lock the other one out in your bench press? Um, that's a little bit more nuanced because that could be front delt. It could be your left pec. It could be your left tricep. Mm -hmm. It could be, you know, any number of the pressing, <laughs> pressing muscles right there. Right. But, you know. But let's say, let, just to go into that a little, a little bit, if, if you notice that on the bench press, that is the problem. You start identifying that by, okay, I'm going to do single uh, raises, right? Yeah. I'm going to do one at a time. Does my left uh, delt tire out first? No. Go to the tricep. No. Just go go through the motions. Yeah, you, until... Basically, just, you can just break it down to where you're doing all those movements unilaterally. Yeah. Even if it's a dumbbell bench press where you're doing both arms at the same time, is the left obviously getting more fatigued? Yeah. Is it shaking? Right. Is it becoming a struggle? Are you having to focus more on it? Dumbbell skull crushers, is your left giving up before mm. your right? Or vice versa, it doesn't have to always that, be left. That could right, also but be like, done on cable. But. Yeah, absolutely. It could, it could absolutely be done. Um, but, you know, little things like that. Another obvious thing is, are you experiencing more? I mean, you said it when your lower back with your glute mm -hmm. was a sign that your left glute wasn't firing as good as your right glute. Yeah. Are you experiencing pain more to one side than the other mm -hmm. side? Um Really, really simple stuff. Now that's boring some injury history. Like if you right. had a torn right rotator cuff. Right. Then you're probably just gonna have more pain. <laughs> exactly, you know. But um, you know, there's like nuanced answers like that. But those little nuances is the things you need to look for in yourself or a coach should be looking for mm -hmm. you and then applying those to your program. Also, if you have a coach, tell them that you're experiencing these things. <laughs> yeah. They can't read your mind. Yeah, absolutely. they can look and um, they can see things, but they can't they can't they can't know the pain that you're feeling yeah. if you're feeling pain. So if you're not telling them that, they don't know. I, they don't know. I how tell to people it. this all the time. Um, you're not in trouble because you're hurting, mm -hmm. but I can't protect you from what I don't know. Exactly. If you don't tell me, I can protect you from a lot. If you say my left knee is really fucking bothering me in this mm -hmm. movement, well, we can modify or take it out or make the appropriate, you know, change. Mm -hmm. To still get you stimulus there without bothering your knee. Yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as we're doing walking lunges. Well, your knees hurt. We're going to do reverse lunges now. Mm -hmm. Is it more glute dominant? Sure, but you're still getting good right. quad work and good unilateral movement out of it. So, I mean, it's like little things like that, right? And those things are harder to identify in yourself. Mm -hmm. Those are questions you should ask yourself if you're doing your own programming. Mm -hmm. um, those are all, we could have an entire podcast on just those, <laughs> those things. Those things are extremely nuanced and extremely individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so having mentioned all of this and the things that you should look out for in terms of that, I think it probably would behoove us to go ahead and talk about more general things. And mm -hmm. that's where I start first is minimum effective volume. Mm -hmm. 
So minimal effective volume is exactly what it sounds. It's the least amount of work you can do and still see results. Yep. Pretty simple. Mm -hmm. It's the least amount of work you can do and still see progressive results, mm -hmm. basically. Work that you can build on, you can add weight to, stuff like that. Simple enough, right? Determining MEV, I really like Juggernaut's way. It was, mm -hmm. That's how me and you learned to determine yeah. our own MEV. Um, it's very, very individual, too. Yeah. Your coach is probably going to, in the beginning, a lot of coaches, because they don't know you yet, are probably going to lean to giving you more more volume than you can probably handle, mm -hmm. realistically. You've probably just experienced that with Joe to some extent. To some extent, certainly. There's things. been more time-related, probably. Yeah, than it's, it's been, been more of a rest period fatigue yeah, than, than anything else. But, like, a lot of the times, I will, if you're first, brand new to me, um, everybody thinks they're tougher than they are. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that much, especially yeah. when you're programming for men. Um, I will, I do have, like, a general format that I kind of start all men or women on because the protocol is a little bit different um, that I will either add to or take away from based on that person's how they're recovering, if right. that makes sense. Um, I do a lot of, I have a lot of heavyweight men, so just give this an example. Typically, we're only going to do, barbell work-wise, we're only going to do three or four sets, working sets a day of your major compound lifts, so prob probably bench press on an upper body mm -hmm. or overhead press. Mm -hmm. We're going to get three to four main sets. Um and then we'll either have a, before then we'll have a top set or we might have a drop set where we do an AMRAP, depending on somebody's need, right? So like, we're talking about basically four to five, four to five sets mm -hmm. per an upper body movement. Uh, lower body is a little bit different. It's three or four um, in total, including mm -hmm. a drop set or a, or a top set, yeah. whatever. Um, and then based on how they were recovering, I typically, I find that most of the time, I end up taking away for my heavyweight men. So mm -hmm. a squat day might look like a top set of five at a given RPE or a given percentage. And then you'll have two drop sets at, you know, five to 10% lower uh, for eight to 10 reps, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But it ends up being, it ends up being three or four sets. Deadlifts are typically harder on this bigger guy, especially when we're really good at deadlifts, like mm -hmm. you and you are. So typically I'll have one top set and then only one or two drop sets yeah. um, thereafter. Uh, but for the most part, I start out with four to five, upper body and three to four lower body. Yeah. Um, and then as I get to know them through, a, it generally takes through a block, I adjust in future blocks for, mm -hmm. for those things. Yeah. Uh, but the MEV, when we finally can establish some MEV and say, hey, this is the bare minimum we can make progress with, we're going to start manipulating that and that gets you closer to the next thing we're going to talk about, which is max recoverable volume. Mm -hmm. Or so, MRV. MRV, yeah. And that's basically the maximum amount of shit you can tolerate and still make progress. Right. Um, you do want to be taken over that number sometimes because that's part of progressive overload. Mm -hmm. You want to be forced to recover from something that you want to have, you want to have dig your, dug yourself a little bit of a hole to recover from and recover mm -hmm. out of, if that makes sense. Typically before <clears throat> deload week. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's uh, in my programming, that's your peak week. Yeah. Um, the way I handle peaks are the same, your peak week of a block, not your peak week going into a meet. But your peak week of block, the way I handle things the same way Brandon Allen does, we typically have an AMRAP at the heaviest percentage we've done that month, basically, okay. or that block. Uh, it still ends up being one set, but because, you know, you've done the whole block at eight reps, and on your AMRAP, I'm expecting, I might be expecting 12 plus. Mm -hmm. um, if they only get six or seven, that's fine, too. But, you know, there's an expectation that you will exceed what we did that month. Right. Still ends up being the maximum that plus the intensity ends up being the maximum amount of 
volume you're coming right. from. But yeah, I mean, you're essentially building to not just intensity, but basically building to a volume peak. Yeah, and then and then you take it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I even do that with uh, accessory work. We may add a set or add reps up to that peak week and then take it away at deload mm-hmm. week. Um, that's something RP does. They add sets based on how you're feeling every yeah. week. Um, that works out pretty well, but there's a million ways to do that. Um, but just know, again, both your MEV, your ma- minimum effective volume, and your max recoverable volume is going to be lower if you're male, mm-hmm. and it's going to be lower if you're heavier. Mm-hmm. So uh, it also goes up if you're enhanced. Yeah. So if you're using PEDs, you get more uh, more of those things. Um, more nuanced things is like, do you have somebody that just eats like shit all the time? Yeah. As a powerlifting coach, you don't always get to control what somebody's eating. Yeah. Um, you would like to, but you don't always mm-hmm. get to that. But that that is something that would, if you eat like shit, that's going to generally net you one less set a week. And if you eat really good, it's going to net you one more set a week, mm-hmm. depending on. Uh, PEDs don't help as much as you think they do in terms of recovery. They definitely help you recover. But you're still only talking about adding a set per exercise a week if you're enhanced. Right. You no. Know? But at least for I men, guess, you know. What I, I mean? guess that depends on markers too, right? Because it does. Yeah, like it's let's say let's say they're really healthy and on PEDs, and let's say I don't know, let's say they 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 go like a Joe Sullivan route, and they're like on a minimal effective dose yeah. for most of their training, and then it's like, well, we're blasting for the next eight, twelve weeks before the meet. Yeah they probably can recover a little better. So you can probably afford to either give them a little more intensity or a little more volume. Yeah, absolutely. But it does need to wave, like, like we said, based on, yeah. you have to wave in and out of these things. Um, man, that being said, you know, you know, having dealt with mostly heavier, heavier men, uh, you know, when you started with me at 180 pounds, you know, it was pretty common for us to do, you know, five, six working sets of bench press or, Really, yeah, really, yeah, just about everything. The only and thing you I recovered didn't... it fi- from it fine until you didn't. Yeah, but then you were up a couple of weight classes. At yeah, that point at that too. point, you know. So <clears throat> starting at one eighty, I I feel like it was five sets of squats, five sets of bench press, and four sets of deadlift. It may have been five sets of deadlift. I don't remember. Five would be. Well, I, I know was younger was... in my career, so I probably knew less. So I don't doubt it, but. Four seems like a number I would absolutely yeah. program. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was somewhere around there. Either way, um, but. You know, not not as heavy, not moving as much weight. I wasn't enhanced at the time, so I was I was natty. I was eating good um, because I was poor. <laughs> like I couldn't afford to eat bad, so it was just like protein, rice, and vegetables is all I ate, and eggs for breakfast. Um, the only thing that I ate that was slightly bad was I was working at Jimmy John's, so I was eating a sandwich every day, but. No mayo, um, lots of veggies and lots of protein. Wouldn't always be the leanest. It just depended on what I wanted to eat that day. But I just was like, as long as it's calories at this sure. point. Because um, that was kind of like one of the bigger... But you were eating enough and it was balanced enough that yeah. we could achieve what we needed to achieve. Um, so, I mean, even lighter weight men are going to get... If you're... I would say if you're sub 220. Yeah. Um, I would consider you a lightweight male lifter. Yeah. Um, 220 and up you're probably going to start taking a set away for your body mm-hmm. to accommodate your body weight. Yeah. Um, to be honest. Um, it really wasn't until I got over 220 that I, I started noticing a need for it, to be honest with you. Right. Like, 
really the 230s like and it was probably when i was deadlifting over 500 closer to 600 that i really started noticing a need to break down the volume i know some people are listening to me like wow like two to three working sets on squat and deadlift doesn't sound like a lot but when you're squatting and deadlifting well we we're both i can confidently say i can pick up more than 600 pounds now Mm -hmm. when you're a 500 plus pound squatter both of us are and you're a 600 plus pound deadlifter you're closer to you're much closer to seven now or better but two to three sets is literally all you need but what people tend to forget about when they write these programs is you have to warm up to that top set. Yeah. And whether you think that it does or not, you're one set at 135, you're one set at 225, you're one set at 315, you're one set at 405 on deadlift. That's stimulus too. Yeah, you are accumulating fatigue. You are accumulating fatigue and you're accumulating volume. Mm-hmm. And now when you get old like I have, I have to feel heavy weight before I can just go pull heavy weight. Like I'm not walking up to 500 pounds right now and pulling it. No. Without a warm up, I mean, because I'm fucking old. <laughs> I'm also I, I out of practice. Anyway. You know what I mean? I knew it's bad for you anyway. But like, you absolutely have to have that to warm up. But you are in fact accumulating fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to prime your CNS. You have to get ready for heavy weight. But you are actually doing work through the warm up. So by the time you do, yeah, you have two or three working sets. By the but by the time you finish the two or three working sets, you've probably actually done seven or eight sets. Yeah, easily. Yeah, Dep- easily, you know. Depending um, on how, how far you have to go, how many working sets you have, and what that weight is. You know, there's a point where you're strong enough now. Like, if I wanted you and if I were programmed for you in Austin, I feel like we could confidently start our warm up with two plates on squat or deadlift. Mm-hmm. Probably not a lot of reason for us to hit one anymore. You know what I mean? I still, I hit, mean, the, I still hit the bar on squats. I mean, that's fine. I, mean, I, 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 I like it too. Just, I, just <clears> personally, it just, it's, it's something that I've stuck to for the longest time, and it may, it may be really dumb uh, at this point. It may be a waste of uh, energy at this point. But I just, I feel like it's important to hit the bar to, just to remind yourself that you're not above anything um, else. Even if it's just, yeah. just completely a mental thing. It's, it's just uh, like you're. It's practice, too. Yeah. I mean, if, I mean, you, if, if, you're, if you are not respecting just the bar, you're probably not respecting the rest of your warm up. Yeah. And if you're not respecting your warm up, you're more easily going to get hurt. Because you're just going to be going through the motions, slaying it. Yeah, and you're you're building good motor skills through the warm up too. That's your opportunity to practice new cues your coach has taught you. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe old ones you're not that good at. <laughs> you know, a lot of things. It's a good place to check your bar placement, your bar path, uh, stuff like that. Um, the biggest thing that I've learned from Joe as regards training is lifting with intent, mindfulness. Mindfulness is exactly just like. Going in with a plan, doing exactly what the goal is of the day. You know, a lot of my goals of my squat was squat pain-free. Like, that was it. So it didn't matter that I was only squatting 200 pounds some days. I didn't care. The goal was to squat in a way that did not hurt. Sure, absolutely. And we accomplished it. I just... That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's a good point, right? I mean, that is what it is. I mean, so having a coach help you determine that MEV, MRV, even if they're old school and they do it based off of how you feel, mm-hmm. and that's how I, I'm not going to chart it out like Juggernaut has you do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were openly communicating with me and being honest about how you're feeling pre and post volume, mm-hmm. um, we should have no problem figuring out what it is you can and cannot handle Yeah, at all. It should be should be relatively easy to do. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I don't feel bad about, it's not guesswork, but I don't feel bad about adding and subtracting based on need. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's um, something that the Juggernaut AI app does anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It just, it, like, you come in, you say, how do you feel today? Do you feel like on top of the world or do you feel like dog shit? Do you feel beneath dog shit? I'll tell, pe- I tell people this all the time. The program is the program for a reason. We absolutely want to follow the program as close as we can. Mm-hmm. But doing the work is more important than not doing the work. So if it means doing the work at 135, even if it was supposed to be 315, I would rather you have gone to the gym and practiced squatting mm-hmm. than have not squatted at yeah. all. I mean, I think that's the best. You ha- But I don't know those things unless you tell me. Right. So if you come in and you're just like, you feel like shit, but you don't want to, you don't want to admit it. Like there's some sort of ego, some sort of pride, which you leave that you should leave that at the door when you yep. walk in there. But something that keeps you from saying, "Oh, maybe you went out, maybe you went out drinking a little and got a little too blitzed, and you didn't recover very well." Uh, you as come a coach, in. I'm not going to be happy about that, but I will help you adjust so you don't get hurt, and we can continue the mm-hmm. program on future dates. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's annoying, but you know, having a coach help you determine MEV and MRV, even if they're not actively. Even if it's not an active conversation, they're just doing it based on need, mm-hmm. if that's fair. Yeah. Um, which is a good segue to the next thing um, before we actually talk about styles of programming. Uh, and that's, I don't know necessarily that it's a buzzy word, but it's that principle of auto-regulation. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ways to achieve this. Yeah. Um, the most common way currently to achieve auto-regulation is probably RPE. Yeah. Um, but we talked about the Bulgarian method last week in mm-hmm. weightlifting where you worked up to a daily max in a, a push jerk or, you know, a snatch or mm-hmm. just your clean or just your front squat or just your back squat or whatever. You basically worked up to a daily one rep max. Mm-hmm. Well, that ought to re- regulate you to an extent because if you have to back squat five days a week and you just back squatted yesterday, guess what? It's probably not going to be as good as yesterday. Yeah. Your back squat, right? Like, so there is a principle of like natural CNS auto-regulation almost mm-hmm. that happens when you do those things. So even something extreme like the Bulgarian method has some principle of auto-regulation mm-hmm. in it. What doesn't auto-regulate is percentage-based programming. Yeah, That's a hard number that's been given to you for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I still use a lot of percentage-based programming, and I do it guilt-free, mm-hmm. but I also know in built into the program is some reduction mm-hmm. of actual percentages I expect. Mm-hmm. Because I know that that's basically, essentially, that's your coach auto-regulating you. You know what I right. mean? Like, um, I program it at, you know, if I have something set out, maybe maybe I'm actually programming you for a training, a training max that's 50 pounds below your best. Mm-hmm. You might not know that, but, like, but that's the power of a coach, too. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we need, we need this number for X amount of sets. I'm going to give you a hard number. It's based off of a percentage. It's not your business to know what percentage, right. <laughs> what, you know, what number that percentage is based off right. of. You know what I mean? Because that's that's me taking care of you. But it's a harder idea when you're doing it yourself because you want that hard eighty five percent for mm-hmm. for five or whatever it may be. Yeah. Right? I mean, it is what it is. Um, so anything basically that's not a hard number that they haven't given you, I need you to squat three fifteen for this many reps, mm-hmm. or I need you to squat this percentage for this many reps. Mm-hmm. Anything other than that, RIR, RPE. Um, daily maxes like in conjugate stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, or your max effort day, whatever. Right. Um, those things are principle of, of auto regulation mm-hmm. essentially. So, um, very very trendy for that to happen. Uh, I've spoke before. I don't trust a lot of uh, beginner to intermediate lifters with RPE because 
it's a very hard thing to fairly judge yourself. Yeah. Until you really know your body, you have a mind-muscle connection, and you've pushed past what you thought was possible, it's pretty hard to know what actually is possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be honest with you, um, the two coaches that used RPE with me most predominantly were Ron, and then a coach that wasn't very good that I used in the very beginning. Um, both of them, though, same thing. We relied on what the RPE looked like, or mm-hmm. the squat looked like, to judge your RPE more than what it felt like to yeah. judge your RPE. If you get under it, even if you feel like shit and you just absolutely throw it through the ceiling and you smoke it, sorry, dude, that's an RPE 6. You need to right. put 20 more pounds on it go again. You yeah. know what I mean? Whatever it may be. Um, but uh, so it's, it's really, really hard to accurately judge that for yourself mm-hmm. if you're not having a coach like watch it. or and, and I think that's the reason why I still have a preference to a hard number for most people. Mm-hmm. I have a hard preference for a hard number for myself mm-hmm. um, most of the time. Yeah. And most of the time, Ron gave me a hard number, or he would give me an RPE with a cap on it. Like, right. I expect this to be an RPE 10, but just in case it's an RPE 6, we're not going over this. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, there's a lot of ways to do that. But um, a weight range is also another way yeah. to kind of like auto-regulate. The, but the principle of auto-regulation at its core is to protect you, the lifter, from doing something fucking stupid. Yeah. That you can't handle. Because a lot right. of us are meatheads, and a lot of us just do yeah, stupid absolutely. shit. Because we think, <clears throat> oh, man, we can... We did this last week. If you can program percentage, if you can do percentage-based programming and be honest about how you feel every day and change it if it needs change, or if you're going based off of a training max and not, I'm going to be honest with you, most people's maxes are lightning in a bottle Mm -hmm. maxes. Like, happen to feel really good one day, got a 10-pound bench PR, but have never done it more than once. I mean, just just speak on that for a little bit. I hit 405 in training on bench press like two or three times before I hit it in competition. Yeah. And when I hit it in competition, I hit 420. So like, yeah. yeah. uh, So, I mean, that's, but I mean, you've experienced that, right? There's a probably wise, honestly, for most people in most circumstances, I would say your training max should be about 90% of your actual Mm -hmm. lighting in a bottle. I had a really good day at the meet Mm -hmm. max. Yep. Depending on the heavier the lifter and the more absolute load you have on the bar, um, probably should be a little bit more than that sometimes. Maybe a little bit less than that. uh, Female lifters can get away with working with a higher percentage of their one rep max than men can. Uh, But again, that goes back to absolute load. But uh, there's a lot of ways to look like that. Uh, Auto-regulation is basically to protect your ass, though. Mm -hmm. So you have to be honest about it. And if you can't be honest about it or you don't have a coach helping you Stay honest about it. I very much would say stay on something percentage based. Right. So is what it is. The way when I was programming for myself just before I got with Joe um, and things were going really well as far as like weight moved and stuff. I planned everything from the start of my program at like 90 percent, 85 percent of my one rep max. I can't remember exactly, but it was beneath my one rep max. Yeah. Like base. And it was. It was quantified by sets of eight, but it, I'll, I won't bother with yeah. the math. But essentially, it was 90%. Yeah. And then be like 92, 95. And then we cut back uh, for D load. It'd be like eight, 90 for four instead of eight. Right. And there was just like a progression, but it didn't start with as much as I could do. There was a lot of building before. There was probably two months before I actually started working with 100% at one point in time and right. that was for my top set and then it'd come back and then we go right. 
past it the next week, but my working sets would still be below. Yeah, keep in it. mind he's talked about percentages of percentages, basically. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 very hard to like without explaining the math, which I don't know that I could do that right now because I'd have to pull it all back up. But it's probably not worth the time unless someone's really interested in it. They can just basically if your max is a hundred pounds, he's calling his max ninety pounds and basing his percentage based off the ninety pounds and not off the hundred. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very, very tiny, it's a bicep curl to Nathan, but that's a very, very tiny example. That's But simple math, that's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, it's just that slow progression. My numbers were always hard on all of my barbell movements, but everything on my accessory was just RPE-based. Like, what do you feel like today when you get in there? Just essentially all of my accessory work was just like, get a good pump. Like, sure. that was yeah. my whole goal, just... You know, it was it was still technically off season, so I didn't really need to be like hardcore strength training because I was I started in like March or maybe February, maybe okay. February. It was it was early on in the year and I knew I wasn't competing until October. Right. So like I was just like this is just like a hypertrophy thing with a little bit of progression on my SPD. That was literally yeah. all it was. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ways to do this, but basically, you know, those auto regulation pr principles are basically to, you know, they auto regulate. That's yeah. what they, that's what they do. Right. So they're basically put in place to keep you in check. Mm -hmm. And RPE seven is not going to always be the same weight, depending on how you feel every day. Could be more, could be less, could be, could less, be the same. Could be the same. Yep. Absolutely. It just depends on the day. Um, so we have linear versus nonlinear versus undulating programming. Mm -hmm. um, linear is very, very simple. It's. We're starting this block off at 50% over one rep max. And by the last week of it, some 20-something weeks down the road or whatever it may be, we're going to end at 102% of our max mm -hmm. for a new one rep max. Yeah. Very, very simple. Just drawing a line from point A to point mm -hmm. B. Most programming, even if it's on RPE-based, is going to do that. Mm -hmm. right? You might go from sets of 10 and RPE 6 to the end of that block, you're doing sets of 10 and RPE 9. Next block, you're going to go... Six to nine with eights, six to nine with fives, threes, mm -hmm. no twos, ones, whatever. Uh, still linear programming. Mm -hmm. right? um, Nonlinear is basically what we talked about. It's pretty rare in powerlifting. Is going to be, um, I say it's rare. I mean, conjugate's probably still. Think about ma your max effort dates on conjugate. Mm -hmm. um, very, very nonlinear. But what's still linear about conjugate is your dynamic days are probably going to progress through percentages. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of half and half. Or like something extreme like the Bulgarian method in weightlifting. Right. Where you're hitting daily maxes on a, on a given lift. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we're in agreement that's pretty, pretty rare in powerlifting yeah. to not have some type of linear progression. Yeah. I think the closest being conjugate, but like I said, even the dynamic work in conjugate is going to follow some type of progression. Whether it's heavier percentage or a heavier band or mm -hmm. heavier chain or whatever it may be. It's going right. to follow some type of, yeah. um, or even if it's progressing the speed in which you lift something, yeah. there's a lot of ways to look at that. But for the most part, it's, it's half and half. It's not necessarily a nonlinear. Um, like I said, I think it's, I find that to probably be pretty rare. Mm -hmm. And uh, where you might find that more often is uh, the strength, pro the strength programming in a CrossFit gym. Yeah. I uh, think about CrossFit. Uh, you, you may not have seen this. Uh, you may have sent me right accessory work like this sometimes. It'll say like the CrossFit, the workout of the day for overhead squat might be three, three, one, one, one. So basically you're going to find two heavy sets of three and you're going to find three individual heavy sets of one. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's going to change day to day. There's no given percentage. That would be an example of nonlinear strength programming. Yeah. Pretty common in a, in a CrossFit gym, although I think most of them, most of the good ones have wisened up and moved on to bigger and better things than that, too. Yeah. Um, but that was original CrossFit prescription. Like, if you had a strength day for your wad, it might be five twos of a clean and jerk, and you might have to go find, basically you got five sets to find a two rep max clean and yeah. jerk, you know, whatever it may be. Um, that would be an example of nonlinear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then undulating is actually still kind of linear, but basically what undulating does is it waves. Mm-hmm. So you'll have, um, if you're, you have a lot deadlift on week one, you'll have a heavy deadlift on week two, light on week three, heavy on week four. Mm-hmm. Or you might even, I know some uh, strong man, strong man programming, you only have one heavy deadlift day a month mm-hmm. and the rest might be speed work or axle work or something away from the true lift, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, it might be two weeks light, one week heavy, two mm-hmm. weeks light, one week heavy. It could be any waving motion of any um, barbell movement, essentially. Yeah. So um, we undulated my deadlifts this last time, me and Ron did, and it ended up being really good for me because I found it <clears throat> with the both the volume and just the intensity of which we're, vol- we're deadlifting at now, I found it very hard to recover from – reps at 500 plus pounds and go in the next week and do another mm-hmm. set at 500 plus pounds. Yeah. So we found an every two week, a heavy deadlift was fine. And then the light week was basically maintenance where I was doing 10 sets of one at 365. Right. Basically practice mm-hmm. some stimulus there enough to keep you familiar with the deadlift, keep you moving good, but it wasn't, it um, wasn't like challenging. It wasn't making you die. Yeah. Like you exactly. weren't, you weren't rolled over in the floor. Sure. Like, I would be willing to bet if you, I, I would, that seems to be more and more popular. It definitely helped with me. I just wrote one for Dave Hayes. Um, I think it's becoming more and more popular and more and more uh, accepted accepted, and, and, uh, and powerlifting programming yeah. now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know if you've paid attention to or analyzed what Joe's doing, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see that later in programming more. Not currently because we're still just working on fixing things. Yeah. Um, we are what, almost... But getting close to three, we'll be three months out in a couple of days. Um, so I don't know. We're next week is the last week of this block that he's working on me with. So don't know what's going to come of the next three months if we're going to start going into uh, more true strength training, or if we're going to continue to work on weaknesses and maybe do two months. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised because of the rep range that we're working in. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't just do a month. That's Honestly, right. I, I I don't know. I I just I've been putting my faith in him and just doing what he tells me to yeah, do. You absolutely should. I, I would say a good learning experience would be when this is over with is sit down and actually analyze what he's given you. Yeah, and and find patterns and stuff in mm-hmm. it. But all that to say this, I discovered that Dave needed a need for this because we peaked him too fast this last meeting. Yeah. Basically. He felt like shit in his last two weeks of training. Um, felt like he was strongest like three weeks out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. You need to be strongest on meat day. Oh, yeah. Um, his age had a lot to do with it. Um, he's a very strong man for to be almost 60. Um, but he's also dealing with, you know, a sub 1,300 pound total. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like mind-numbingly heavy for us or anything. Mm-hmm. Um but his age had a lot to do with it. He just wasn't recovering well from it. So now he doesn't squat heavy and deadlift heavy in the same week anymore. Mm-hmm. He has a week of heavy squats and then a week of heavy deadlifts. And mm-hmm. we still squat and we still deadlift on the weeks we're not doing those things. So yeah. don't get me wrong. You don't just replace 
Right, one with the other. One with the other. Um, but, you know, on his easy squat week, it's going to be his hard deadlift week and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, I remained, for that program, we remained in a linear progression for bench press. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had no issues with bench press. So. No issues with bench press whatsoever. Yeah. He's recovering from it fine. So that pretty much stayed the same, with the exception of because we're undulating, I was able to push a deload week out further. So mm-hmm. we do have a deload week for just bench press in the middle of his program mm. this time, which is, people don't tell you, but that's perfectly acceptable too. If your yeah. bench press feels like shit, it's okay to, it's okay to deload de- mm. one lift. Yeah. <laughs> 100%, 100%. It's okay. You're yeah. not going to miss anything. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, okay. But, but I'm, I got to deload everything at the same time. Like everything has to be according to plan, man. Like that's, that's the, one of the things that I've also learned from Joe, uh, just watching some of the way he does things, you know, he, Sometimes he won't write my stuff until the next day, right? right? So until I check in with him, he hasn't written anything for the next day. Sometimes he'll go ahead and like, especially this past week, I was kind of like, I definitely need this day done on Monday because I'm going to be out Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, he doesn't really have enough time to, you know, go day by day if I'm off of my normal schedule. Sure. So he was like, well, I, I got, you know, two of two or the last two or three days done now, so you'll you'll be good when you get back, kind yeah. of thing. But definitely week to week, so he's always like, you know, how did this go? How did this go? And he's changing things based on feeling. Sure. So like, we we are doing programming essentially without deload, um, and we are just adjusting the program according to fatigue. So there is no true deload week. It is all. It has all been just your coach auto regulating. Yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Like he, he is looking at it. He's deciding what I need to do based on uh, some of the stuff is always RP based. So that's always up to me to be honest with myself. Which right. here lately I've been more honest. In the beginning I was a little less honest with a couple of lifts, but for the most part I've been pretty honest about you know my RP. Um, sometimes. I don't even look at the RP and I'm just like, I just know what I, what way to have to do to survive. Right. <laughs> and it may be something like he has me doing barbell curls and uh, 30 seconds of band cur- banded curl or band curls. You know, yeah. With a, uh, a band. I was trying to think of a tension band, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and those, I just have to survive with an empty barbell because yeah. You do 15 of those and then 30 seconds of, well, let me, let me clarify 15 at a five Oh five tempo because 15 is like, Oh man, you can just blast through those. Not at a five Oh five tempo. tempo. No, it's, that's rough, man. Yeah. That's a slow tempo. That is a very slow tempo. And, uh, I just do what I can to survive. There is, I, I cannot put weight on the bar for that just <laughs> right. to survive it. So I know I'm just like, I just have to get through these sets in the rest time. And it's only like 60 seconds rest. So it's not like I'm, like, oh, I'm good and ready to go back in. It's like I'm dead after the second set. Sure. You know? Yeah. Just surviving is the key. Yeah, Sometimes. that makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, that auto regulation is there. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't guess it's, I mean, I guess by definition, auto regulation is you doing it, but it's okay if your coach does it too. I mean, yeah. it's still, it's still, you're being regulated, and that's the most important yeah, he's, thing. Yeah. He, so. he, he checks everything the week before. He writes the program. I personally, I mean, I admire Joe for being able to do that because I personally don't think that I would have time to write daily for people mm-hmm. or or even weekly, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, Ron wrote, wrote weekly for me, and I don't. I really don't know how Ron manages that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I like, uh, you know, a four, eight, 12, 16 week plan. Mm -hmm. And then let's adjust on the fly in real time. Yeah. Based on how you feel. Um, and everybody probably does that different. I can imagine. There's probably I think it's of... probably acceptable to do both. I think the, the biggest thing about weekly is that there's already a template, right? So your week one, your first week of the block is going to take the most time, but he's not going to change things mid block unless there is something blatantly obvious that needs to be addressed. Sure. So like he's only like in the in the block change things like one or two times and it's mostly been with squats or deadlifts and it's been very minute changes. So the the template is still the template. The template, but there are changes to certain movements. Sure. Everything else is basically the same. And that's probably why he is able to do it is because he only changes things when he has to, sure. but he but he leaves it open to be changed. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, maybe closer to what I'm doing than I thought. Then, yeah, I, mean, I know Ron did did write weekly for me. Yeah. So every Sunday, I got an e I emailed mm -hmm. him results of the week, and he emailed me back what I was doing the next. Yeah. So, um, good shit. But it is what it is. But you know, all these things are. Things you're looking for, if you're not going to hire a coach, they should be things you're looking for in your own programming. They should be things you're looking for in your coach. And it just kind of furthers our point, last uh, last podcast point, about bad coaching or bad templates or just mm -hmm. buying shit is not going to take into account whether or not you can handle more volume or can't handle that much mm -hmm. volume or need a change of intensity. It's also not going to take into account um, uh, nagging injury. Mm -hmm. It's not going to take account... Uh, you had a birthday party to go to and you got a little too drunk with your friends. Mm -hmm. It's not going to take into account stressful times at work. Um, having a baby. Having a baby. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. None of those things are going to be accounted for unless you are accounting for them or a coach is accounting mm -hmm. for them. So uh, if you have a coach that's unwilling to do that, then they're not much of a coach. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's a big thing as far as coaching goes. The, like if, if, if you're coming with them with like, hey, man, this just happened. Like, let's say something severe. Uh, my dad just died. Yeah. Like, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to lift this week. And like, well, this is your plan. You have to lift. If like, if they show no sympathy to that I'm gone. I'm yeah. like, nah, yeah. dude, like we're, we're just, we're just cutting ties yeah. right here because yeah. there's, you, you can't be like that. And then like smaller things, you know, you got too drunk. Like, yeah, I feel pretty shitty. Like, well, the plan's the plan. You either do it or you don't. And it's like, there, there's there's a time and place for that, but uh, ex expression of disappointment and you yeah. didn't make a good decision. Yeah, should absolutely as a good coach, you should absolutely tell them, hey, you're in you're in fucking prep. You can't be going yeah. and get fucking loaded every weekend. Yeah, uh, you really shouldn't be drinking at all during prep. You know, mm -hmm. you know there, that conversation can still be had, but for the sake of the lifter safety, you should still have a coach that is willing to say, well, since you did this, let's yeah, try even and adjust. If it, even if it's since you did this, get your barbell stuff done, go home. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. Even if that's the bare minimum amount mm -hmm. of <laughs> adjustment yeah. you get, it's still better an adjustment than then, the rules of the rules. Yeah, it's it's hard to be. I mean, for some people, maybe it's it's just the way they were raised or the whatever. It's hard to be really military when it comes to programming somebody. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had a coach in Brandon that would t if I was being a pussy, he would tell me I was being a pussy. I, was like, I think there's a difference in that. And that then. Like, it's one thing if it's like, oh, well, this feels really heavy. It's like, yeah, it's supposed to. Yeah. Right? Like, Tough shit. Like, like squat it so, anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. <clears throat> if they know you have the ability to do it, then it's just kind of like. Well, now, if I came to Brandon and I said, hey, man, been a rough week, haven't been sleeping well. Like, what do I need to do to adjust? Um, 
had a family member die. Had my baby was born this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a car accident. You know, I'm a little banged up. Nothing major. Like, right. Those kind of things. Like should be adjusted for. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like I said, even if it's just a little touch of insomnia, like you're not sleeping good lately, like. That's going to take some, either take weight off the bar or take a wet, reps away from the yeah. sets or take sets away from the workout, one mm-hmm. or the other, uh, or some combination of the things. Yeah. Um, but you should have somebody that's willing to make that adjustment. Yeah. I do think, too, as a lifter and a coach, I'm not honest enough about this as a lifter, but again, as a coach, we cannot protect you from what we don't know. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you are paying for something, paying for a service. And you should be more open and honest with your coach about how you're feeling and how those things are going for you. Mm-hmm. But basically, when I say those things, I mean the more the more easily predicted things like your sleep schedule, your work schedule, mm-hmm. your eating schedule. You should be more willing to, or even minor aches and pains, you should be more open to talking to your coach about them and less stubborn um, than most of us tend to be, yeah. I feel like. I, so, I, can, I can talk about experience on Saturday. I was doing my dumbbell pressing. Uh, it was like a slight incline. And first 10 reps, I uh, felt pretty decent. I was on three sets of 10. Second 10, oh, I didn't feel too good. I don't know why. They just didn't feel good. Went and I, and I told them that. I was like, something feels weird. Don't know what's going on. Third set, I got two or three reps in. And my hands were so sweaty that the dumbbell slipped. And it caught this side of my forearm to just cramp. Yeah, And I was just like, put the dumbbells down. I was like, I'm stopping because that freaked me out. Yeah. I was like, that hurt really bad. Yeah, It went away after a while and it was all good, but it was like in the moment, it was just like, like I, I told him that. I was like, this is an issue. Hopefully it's just a freak thing and not like a something that's going to be recurring. But in case something happens, and I yeah. had a video of it, so I could send it like, this is where it shifted. There was a whole lot of pain right here. Dropped the bar or the dumbbells. Yeah. So. And earlier that day, there was something going on with. There was something else that bothered me, too. I can't I can't think of it now. Oh, when I was doing deadlifts the day before, it caught my tricep all the way up to my shoulder when I hit the floor one time. And I was like, I don't know what happened, but this happened. You know, just it's very little things. Just a jolt that caused it to cramp or something. Yeah. I mean, he, when he looked at it, he said he, he gave me a very medical explanation and just told me every single muscle that was affected and why it was affected is because I hit, I caught the, uh, rebound, the rebound of the barbell and just went from here to here and it was fine. Like it went away, but just little things like that doesn't like, it could be nothing, but you don't know until you talk about it, especially yeah. if you're not familiar. Like well, that was an unfamiliar feeling. So you yeah, to on both on both things, it was just like that felt really weird. So yeah. I was just like, I'm just going to tell them. And if it's something where I feel dumb afterwards, I'd rather know than not know. Yeah, I'd rather know than. It's almost like you have to check your ego sometimes. Yeah, almost. <laughs> almost. But by by and large, all these things are aspects of your programming, aspects of your coaching. That if you're not getting, you should probably assess whether or not that coach is good, back, mm-hmm. you know, back to last week's conversation to some extent. Um, there's a lot to look out for, and I'm, I'm very, very aware, hyper aware that you can make a lot of good gains on templates and beginner programmings. Mm-hmm. Me and you both have made good gains on squats and milk, yeah. um, which is about as stupid 
and <laughs> boneheaded linear as it gets. Yeah. It's hey, every time you go in the gym, you're putting five more pounds on the bar, baby. Yeah. But I mean, it, when done responsibly, it's yielded good results mm-hmm. for us. It has. I mean, tons and tons of squat, you know, work capacity and stuff yeah. has been built off those programs. So I mean, you can do it on a template. Um, it still takes you being smart enough as a lifter to say, I just don't feel like mm-hmm. I can do this today. Yeah. It's okay to feel that way. Yeah. The bar will be there tomorrow. The, the next time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it is what it is. But I mean, you have to you have to be open and honest with yourself and you have to be open and honest with your coach. Um, but if you're doing those things and then things aren't getting done for you, either you're really bad at coaching yourself <laughs> or your coach is really bad at coaching you. Yeah. Either or, way, one one of those people needs to be fired. And someone else needs yeah, to be Yeah, I mean, I just talked about, I, I have a hard time following my own program, and there's <laughs> going to be a point in this in this powerlifting block, I'm going to be honest with you, where I say I'm either going to <laughs> go back into an RP-based off-season and not fuck with us for a while, or I'm going to get frustrated and I'm going to hire Ron back. Yeah. I mean, but I also know that. Yeah. And knowing that is half the battle. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I would like to be able to 100% handle my own off-season and not have to you know, bother Ron with it until I'm, you know, three or four months out from the mm-hmm. meet and then get dialed in. Yeah. But just being realistic. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you do have to, is that a, is it a weakness that I can't follow my own programming? Yeah. But it also is a strength for me to be able to accept the fact that I can't yeah. follow my own programming and that I need some help. Yeah, it's, it's not a weakness to ask for help. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that goes back to keeping your ego and check it. If, if you're willing to go to somebody else, cause like, for the longest time, and I, I had messaged Joe before anything. I was like, I, I think I want to get Joe to do my prep, you know. And I was like, I, I don't really, don't really want to spend the money on an off season. I can handle my own off season. I'm almost done with this uh, program that I had laid out. I was like two months out from finishing it or whatever. And I was like, I'll get him to do the last three months, and that and I'll be good enough. I, you know, I feel really confident in that. And uh, at some point, it was just like, my lower back hurts too much from squatting. Something's wrong. If I need somebody to fix my squat. We tried to fix it ourselves. Couldn't quite get there for whatever reason. Tried a whole bunch of different things. Eventually just went to Joe and said, I need my squat fixed because I'm fucking hurting and I can't keep doing this. And he said, okay. Yeah. And guess what he did? I was he's, with, he's fixed it or I was it. I was willing to accept the help. I wasn't so egotistical that I thought I was the only one who could do it or whatever. You know, it was probably a, a culmination of uh, changing the way I squatted, some rehab work, getting chiropractic work done. You know, it was probably a, a combination of everything that really just fixed it. There's yeah. it stopped hurting so much. So. Just, but it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Or, that, or it's the, on its way anyway. Yeah. That's the key is just being willing to say, hey, I need help from somebody. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing, especially in, I'll tell you this, powerlifting is much more a team sport than most people realize. Yeah. From the people that handle you on meet day to your coach, uh, to the people that lift with you and lift around you, um, uh, being able to le- lean on those people. And if you're not leaning on those people, you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean... Uh, you less so now because you have Joe to bounce ideas off of, and I'm assuming based on our conversation that Joe's really good about answering things back. Yeah. But me and you talk about things nearly daily about mm-hmm. what we could could do better, I could do better, you could do better, or, or you know just troubleshooting things yeah. uh, on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, sending programs, just being yeah. like, "What do you think of this? What yeah. What do you think could be changed about this? Do you think the volume's good? Like stuff like that. Anything I'm missing? 
Like right. most most of the time, I think me and you are pretty thorough when we when we make our programs, and we don't have to. We're 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 sending more for validation than for actual like troubleshooting, but but we uh, do that for each other too. Yeah, uh, and we're not we're we're typically not too. Um, we don't get pissed off when we say. Hey, this you missed, needs to change. You, hey, I, you missed I, something. Like, I know you do it. You do it with mine daily. But one thing that we adjusted in your program before you got with Joe was, you had written your deadlifts in a way that your drop sets were only like five percent less than your top sets. Yeah, right? it was. It was either five or ten percent. I can't remember. But I, but, but I think I remember saying, "Hey, man, this is going to be. You're so strong now. The CNS fatigue is going to be great. You're not going to. It was ten pounds. That's what it was. Your drop set pounds? was ten pounds." And I was like, and we changed it to 10%, I think. Okay. That's what it was. But uh, I was like, you don't need to do 10 pounds. You probably need to more, do like, more like 10%. Yeah. Which for Nathan is a six. I mean, it sounds like we're taking a lot of weight off the bar because it's a, for him, it's a, you know, 65, 70 pound drop mm-hmm. for a 10% reduction. But he gets into his program a week or two and he's like, uh, okay, I yeah. understand. Because the CNS fatigue is so great, I understand why we took 10% instead of just yeah. 10 pounds. Yeah. A set of eight at 545 is hard enough. And then to have to back it up with two sets of eight at five thirty-five, yeah, it's huge. But go backing off to five four seventy-five, four eighty-five. That's a lot more. That's manageable. manageable. Yeah, absolutely. It's still it's great breakdown. Still yeah. super challenging. I yeah. still felt a ton of fatigue. Yeah. Um, I mean, so sometimes it's just uh, just little things like that. That mm-hmm. uh, and you have to keep the lifter in mind. Like some of my female lifters, I absolutely could have taken ten pounds off the bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they have a three hundred fifty pound deadlift. We can do a drop set at you know, 325, 325, 315, you know, something like that. There. But like you deadlift 700 pounds, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's only so many licks over 500 your body's going to take yeah. before it's just like, like, Hey, I, I, fucking I'm, done, out. Son. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. I mean, this is, this isn't fun no more. <laughs> like I'm checking out. So, I mean, like you have to, you have to do things. And I've had, I've had this conversation with Ron. I had it with Brandon before there was time, been times in drop sets where I'm like, first set went fine. Second set barely break the first one off the mm-hmm. floor. Had seven or eight more reps to do, and just like, listen, man, like, I'm gonna drop it down to three plates and finish it. Mm-hmm. But like, this was just a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, I'll do better next week, and that's fine. Sometimes it's sometimes it's just a matter of doing that and say I'm gonna come back and get it next week, and it mm-hmm. doesn't even have to have a be, have to be a, an adjustment in programming. Mm-hmm. But uh, shit, that just happens sometimes. That's part of it. But uh, but yeah, definitely less likely to be able to achieve those things if you're having like really super hard numbers, like yeah. and that close to somebody that's that strong. Like ten percent for you is almost. I mean, it's it's not even that's a ten pounds for you is not even a a two percent reduction. Yeah. So like, that's a, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. That's that's a still a heavy heavy deadlift. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the difference in getting it and missing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for, for sure. sure. So. Yeah, <clears throat> my mindset was just when I was looking at it, I was looking at the week one and not the week twelve. I was looking at I'm only doing four seventy five. I can do two more sets at four sixty five. That's not a big deal. Yeah, but the problem is the that four seventy five. The four seventy five turns into five seventy five, and the four sixty five turns into five sixty five, yeah. and that's and that now that, all of a sudden this is an issue. It, it is an issue. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, like. Yeah, that first week, sure. You know, four yeah. sets of eight, 450 to 425 pounds. We can do it, baby. But yeah. uh, the problem was down the road. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's only so many, there's only so much abuse you're going to take at those higher mm-hmm. percentages. Yeah. So it's this what it is. Yeah. I, I think it was Mark Bell that said there's only so many one reps that you got. Yeah, you only have so many. That's absolutely yeah. true. You only have so many of those. There's only so many maximal effort 
one rep lifts that you can do in your entire lifetime. So pick and choose them wisely. Do you want to do an extra 10 pounds at the gym one day, or do you want to do an extra 100 pounds at a meet one day? Yeah, you got to pick it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that could be a whole other podcast. That, that could absolutely. Ego checking, basically, <laughs> you know what I mean? The, I mean, the, the title of that episode, fuck your ego. <laughs> fuck your ego. And it's easy to have one, especially yeah. when, you know, me and you have a lot of our um, self-worth and mm-hmm. mental well-being tied up in this sport. Um, I'm not really stronger than anybody, but I'm stronger than, I'm not stronger than any powerlifter, but I'm stronger than gym any bro, gym bro. bro. You, know, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? Like, so like, there's definitely some, some pride and ego tied up mm-hmm. in it. But also, I mean, to keep that in check, you have to be, if you want to be able to, call yourself strong and be strong you have to stay healthy mm-hmm. it doesn't do you any good to to be the guy that said i used to bench 405 yeah we joke about that all the time but that doesn't what you used to do doesn't do you a damn bit of good now yeah so you have to be able to do these things where it's hiring a coach keeping yourself in check um working off of a training max instead of a true one rep max whatever it may be like you have to do these things if you want to stay in the game you're going to have to do these things to stay in it and uh, every one of those things means checking your ego. Mm-hmm. Just just thinking about uh, this this older guy that was at the gym. He's always there with his two sons. I think there's two sons. Fucking yoked, this guy. He's a lightweight lifter, too. I think yeah. he's like a 220 or 200. Um, he, he's, he looks about my size, maybe a little thinner, um, but still. He's as tall as you. Uh, I couldn't say. I, I, I couldn't say. I don't really remember. But he's he's a really cool dude. Talked to him just a little bit. Um. Older guy, like I said, still benches 405. And he said, yeah, it's not that much. And I'm like, 405 is a good lick, 405 and you're in your 40s. Right. That's. I'm sure that would easily be a state record. Oh, probably. I mean, I know he's a 600-plus pound squatter when he's healthy, too. So, like, he's he's a good powerlifter. Yeah. I mean, he used to to powerlift and he used to bodybuild. And he just kind of doesn't do either anymore. He just does enough to both to stay healthy and strong. Mm-hmm. He definitely yeah. has both of those things. But I talked to him about that though, and everything he does now is basically ego checking systems, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's old enough now. He knows when he hurts. He knows when he feels good. He knows what he can do and what he can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't venture outside of those things. He knows when to push a little bit harder for bigger numbers and when to say, you Not know, it. maybe today I shouldn't go over three plates. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but he's going to be doing that. He's he is when you see that man, he's very obviously got twenty or thirty more years of lifting than him. Oh yeah, like he's that healthy. You mm-hmm. know, you know what I mean. Like that's a very small part of the population to say they're still going to be lifting weights when they're seventy. Yeah, but that guy will. Oh yeah, so, for like, sure. And that comes <clears throat> down to being smart. Hell yeah, that's, it does. That, that's all. Because there's there's a guy. He's in his eighties or nineties. I just saw something about him on Facebook. I think he's a. He he calls himself a bodybuilder. I mean, he, he's eighty to ninety years old. Like he can only do so much, but he's still in the gym and he's still lifting weights. I mean, he's not what bodybuilding is now, obviously, like because he's that age. But he's still healthy and strong. He's still in the gym. He's still lifting weights. I yeah. mean, that says more than probably ninety nine percent of eighty ninety year olds. And if, if you have any self respect for you, and if you have any real love for the game, you should be thinking about what it looks like, what lifting looks like for you 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And think about Arnold. He still lifts. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would like to go to my grave doing this. Yeah. If I died in the gym, I would be perfectly happy. You know what I mean? It's good Lord willing. It won't be what kills me, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like (laughs) as long as it's um, not some idiot just dropping a bunch of weight on you. 
<laughs> so, uh, different story. <laughs> there was a bodybuilder killed this week from essentially a a little bit his own ego and a little bit of bad squat. Yep. Uh, I heard bad about squat. that. Uh, yep. um, Joe was talking about it recently. Uh, uh, squat, you posted some footage from it. He didn't, they didn't, they didn't show, show it, it all yeah. because obviously the man died. And mm -hmm. I think it's kind of disrespectful. It would but, be, absolutely. Um, a lot of things went wrong, but, you know, a bad spot was a pretty damn good bit. I, I didn't watch the video, so I can't say from firsthand, like, what happened. Well, it basically broke his cervical spine, so it's basically, like, internally decapitated by, mm. by a barbell. So, Was he high bar squatting then? Um, I just know the bar, according to Squat U, the, the bar shifted up his back. Um, but had fallen, fallen forward, uh, backward toward the spotter, and I guess when the spotter maybe stood him up or whatever it happened, caused the bar to roll forward and uh, hit him in the neck. I so, see. Yeah. Which you know this guy is he looked looked to be sub two hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a he, he couldn't have been more than like a two hundred if he was if he was a powerlifter. He couldn't mm -hmm. have been more than like two twenty. Right. So like it was a pretty heavy squat. But yeah, I think I think Joe said think it was three ninety five. Uh, squat, you said it was four sixty. Four sixty. Yeah. Okay. Which. Um, isn't the heaviest squat in the world, but for his size, it's pretty. It's, it's a, a pretty, pretty heavy, heavy squat. squat yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's, it was twice his body weight. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a lot to fucking think about. Yeah, though. that basically, but respect the bar, respect, respect the weight, the bar, what you're doing. One, respect one thirty five could kill you. Respect your own technique or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. Like you know, I mean, if it just because you can, don't mean you should sometimes, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? It is, there's a reason why we build toward a peak mm -hmm. and we're not squatting, you know, 80, 90, hundred percent of a one at max all the fucking time. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying hundred percent sure that's what he was doing, but, uh, get spotters you can trust, man. Yeah. Too. I mean, absolutely. I think side spots would have saved that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if that, if, from if it had been unloaded what I'm on thinking, a, yeah, if it had been unloaded on a side spotter, it would have been at their waist. Yeah. They would have caught it right here and he could have gotten out of it. As and even if they to, would have had to throw it down and couldn't hold on to it, it would have been fine. But he would have been out from under the bar. Also, yeah. if he had just stepped forward, like if he had been on his own and he had just stepped forward instead of... Yeah, I mean, there's there's a possibility of that. I mean, I haven't watched the full... Uh, I haven't got a chance to see the full video, so yeah. it's hard to speculate. But uh, I don't know that I want to just for my own peace of mind. <laughs> it's definitely a freak accident though yeah I mean, for sure it's not sure. happening all the fucking time no it's... i think uh, the social media makes the world a lot smaller place or seem like a lot smaller place so when you see this you're like this guy does what i did he just fucking killed himself yeah. that is a one in a billion accident yeah. though everything like, had to go wrong yeah but everything you're probably had. more likely to get bit by a shark struck by lightning and win the lottery all in the same day <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like honest to god like that's that's how rare this injury is, right? Yeah. But like, it happened. It did happen. Fuck. Rest in peace. Uh, I don't. I don't know the lifter's name. I think they said he was Indian or Indonesian or Indonesian, something. Indonesian. Yeah. Indonesian. Yeah. I don't remember his name either, but sorry for that guy. Yeah, and his family. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everything's okay. With them. Obviously, it won't be. But. All right. Well. Dad jokes if we got them. Dad jokes. I have like a bunch saved. I just have I just have one. Just one? Yeah, I just have one. Go for it. I don't know if it's really a dad joke, but it's it's kinda it's kinda daddy. Um <laughs> that's kind of funny in its own way. Daddy. Anyway, um this is actually a real thing. Have you have you heard about the bod pods that you can be buried in? 
the yeah. hard, hardwood trees grow from, yeah. basically, so your body acts as fucking fertilizer for this fucking tree. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a kind of a neat concept, because then you're kind of, in a way, you're you're kind of there forever. You know what yeah. I mean? If you, it's a cool concept. Um, I just wanted to requ- request that uh, that's the way I want to be buried, mm-hmm. and uh, I just need it to be a pecan tree. So after you die, everyone can eat your nuts? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) These nuts. (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, Mine are, that that one's probably better than all the jokes that I'm about to give because mine are all really bad dad jokes. But as a new dad, I have to. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're a, this is official right here. Official now. Groundbreaking shit right here. We're not just pretending anymore. Not just just saying dad jokes to say dad jokes. (laughs) Uh, so my boss said he was going to fire the employee with the worst posture. I have a hunch it's going to be me. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> um, I told my wife to embrace her mistakes, so she gave me a hug. <laughs> um, I accidentally gave my wife a glue stick instead of lipstick. She's still not talking to me. <laughs> that must have been that Gorilla Glue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I walked. I walked in on my girlfriend having sex with her personal trainer. I told her this isn't working out. She's having too many cheat days. <laughs> that one's. <laughs> that one. Yeah. I, I I thought it was funny, but yeah. Um. Oh well, this one's. I'll, I'll end it on this one. Yesterday, I couldn't make it out if someone was waving at me or the person behind me. Uh, in other news, I lost my job as a lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> in other news. <laughs> in other news. But that's all I got for today. So uh, I think we I think we ran pretty pretty long today. So I think we did. So just, a, just a little bit. I got more programs to write. I got to write Casey's. Got to write my own. So um, we got competitions to go win. Mm-hmm. So... I got a baby to take care of. Yep. Still have a competition to win, though. Still have a competition to win. Doesn't change that. So No, but that's that's still about three months away. So yep, you're gonna still do got good. plenty of time. Uh, as long as I can get my 600-pound squat, I think we'll be okay. You got it well, all day, baby. 6'11". But 6'11 is what we need now? 6'06 is the record. 6'11 is what would break it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I might could I might could do 6'09". Or 6'08". You can chip a, re- can you chip a record in a WRPF? I want to say they have their their uh, their clamps that are a pound each or They're whatever. Two two and a half kilograms a piece. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought they were a pound. A but piece. no, they do have they do have fractional plates. I, I think I think the rule see. is you can you can chip records, and I think you can chip for the win. But you mm. can't in a normal attempt selection. You can't. It has to be a two and a half kilogram increment. Yeah. But if you have to do it to beat somebody or if you have to do it for a record yeah. then it's we'll see closer to october what i'm what i'm feeling like and maybe we'll just have 6 11 just because yeah. but we'll see i'm uh are you gonna have open uh, get to have open dialogue with with joe the day of the meet if it's the same day as his meet i won't oh because of the american pro mm-hmm. that's right. i, th- I, I want to say it's the same day but i, I could be wrong but i i, I think it is but Either way. We're pretty good at attempt selection, so I'm sure he'll have attempts planned out for you, and if he doesn't, we're, uh, we've done really good yeah. attempt selection before we'll, in the past. E- either way, mm-hmm. there will be a plan in place. I don't think you've had a... Have you had a single grindy final lift? 
that I can recall. I mean, I know early in your in your career, SPF stuff, you've missed third lifts, but yeah. Um, um, well, but, I've only done three meets. But by and large, I feel like November it was pretty much every every one of your last meets were like RPE nine. Oh yeah, like a little like, left in the tank. Like, yeah, there was. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I didn't really have any issues on the USPA meet, but the S. I've only done three meets, like I said. First SPF meet, I missed a third bench, and that was it. And then second SPF meet, I missed a squat and a bench. And then USPA, I got all nine and everything went smoothly, but I also didn't. I planned, my bench was high, but my squat and my deadlift were not high. So we didn't have to on the deadlift, though. Yeah. Deadlift, we were already winning the weight class, and we were not winning the the lifter of the day. So yeah, it was you would kinda, have had to have had a 700 pound squat that day to win lifter of the day. Yeah. Tank kind of crushed it by like 60 dots or something like that. So there was no way I was, I was touching anything right. that day. So it is what it is. It is what it is. All right, guys, that's it. Rate us five stars on Spotify or whatever you listen to. Um, Instagram. Follow us. Yeah. Follow us. Sip it and rip it. Um, Nathan Scadios at ZG underscore summer shred journey. Subject to change. Subject to change. But yeah, that's it though. That is it. Oh uh, yeah, you can follow us at, at Coleman Barbell too. Yeah. There you go. There you at, go. At um, Coleman underscore barbell, but still. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Be good.